Hey listeners, welcome back to Revival on the Air today. Today I have a very special guest with us, Angie, who uh, we've known each other for a few years now. How many years? Five or six years maybe? I think it's a bit longer than that. A bit longer than that? Yep. We know each other obviously through our association, the Revival Fellowship, but uh, more because our kids are dating. They are. They are. Actually, they're not really kids anymore. No. 20 and 21, can you really define that as being children? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to say um, sometimes they behave like that, but I won't, I won't say that out loud. I think to, you just did. To anybody. Very good. Um, so I thought what, uh, what we do specifically to start with was maybe just... Maybe you just share with us a little bit about how, how you came to know God and before we get into the specifics of the miraculous testimony that I want to talk to you about today. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, when I was growing up, um, I always knew that there was something, um, that there was a God or something else um, that was looking over us, um, but never really had a relationship with God before then. So... Um, the only experience that I'd had is that I grew up in a quite a dysfunctional family and um, as a result my mum and dad separated when I was about seven or eight and we would go off to uh, the local Salvation Army for our um, food hampers and I learned about God there at the Salvation Army and they had this mentality that um, if you were good you were going to heaven and compared to uh, some of the dysfunctional characters in my family, I was pretty good. So um, I had this um, feeling as a child that, um, yeah, that I was a good person, so I was going to go to heaven. Um, and But a girl in... Which is in, not uncommon. I mean, that's what most people generally think Yeah, is the way that uh, they're going to make it into heaven. Yep. It's just be a good person. Be a good person, hmm. yeah. Um, and so um, when I was in high school... Uh, I became friends with with a sister in the fellowship and she talked to me about um, heaven and I said, yep, I'm a good person, so I'm going to go to heaven. And she proceeded to tell me um, that actually unless I was baptised by full immersion and received the Holy Spirit, I actually wasn't going to go to heaven. And... um, and so what did she use to back that up? Did she use scriptures to, to back that up or is that just she her did. thought? Yep. yep. She, um, she talked about um, Acts 2, 38, um, John 16 um, to back that up. Um, but being a 14-year-old herself, I don't think she was necessarily um, as up-to-date with the scriptures as, you know, what one would be. But she, you could tell that she knew that – I could see that she had a relationship with God yep. and I wanted it. Yeah. So um, I started coming along to um, the Revival Fellowship and I um, decided to see if this was real. Um, so I had some prayer um, in my room at home um, and received the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. Wow. Yeah. Got baptized three weeks later. Cool. Yeah. And there started your real journey. There started my real journey. Mm, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And so... We um, we're here tonight in your home and with your family. They're sort of some of the kids are sleeping. Yeah. My daughter's here. My family's here also. Your husband's not here. My husband's not here at the moment. <laughs> but uh, he's the he's the one that looks like Vin Diesel, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Although he's 
a lot more handsome than Vin Diesel. Oh, oh sorry, yeah. I thought you were going to say Vin Diesel's a lot more handsome. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. And Vin Diesel's clearly a lot tougher than your husband is. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so he's obviously part of your journey as well. He is. And so the testimony that I was going to ask you about started eight years ago, really? It did. Almost to the day. Yes, it did. Mm. Well, actually, it started a little bit before then. So um, if I go back a little bit, so um, just to add on to my story a little bit, I um, stopped coming along to this fellowship for a little while and and got right back into um, the world. And as a result, I um, fell pregnant at 16 and I had my son, Clayton, who's dating your daughter. Um, And, um, yeah, and... Being a 17-year-old didn't necessarily know how to be a mum, but I did know that the best thing that I could give him was the Lord. And so I started praying again, coming back to the fellowship because I wanted to give him everything and everything to me was God. So, um, And so Clay and I um, uh, were in the fellowship for for quite a while and um, Pete and I got married. nearly 10 years ago now and um, we decided we wanted to have children and um, because we already had Clay who at that stage was 11 I think mm-hmm. um, and so we didn't want the age gap to be much bigger and so we thought we'd have a baby and I had a lot of miscarriages so um, that would must have been tough it was really really tough mm. it was an emotional roller coaster mm, I can imagine um, so I would get pregnant and most of the time um, would find out via ultrasound that the baby had died mm. in utero and um, would have to go and have the baby removed. And this happened um, about five or six times Whoa. before um, eventually we fell pregnant with Isaac. Mm-hmm. But before we fell pregnant with Isaac, the prayer before that I had before I fell pregnant with him was that, um, Lord, if I fall pregnant again, let the child live because it was it was so heartbreaking having the excitement and the joy of being pregnant and mm. then um, the heartache of, of losing the child. Yeah. So, yeah, so then we fell pregnant with Isaac and he was born um, nice and healthy um, um, yeah, about this time. Yep. Um, I actually remember when that happened because we didn't really know each other. Yep. Uh, but... I think we were down at a camp. Yeah. And uh, I remember, uh, I think, you, did you rush off from camp? We did, yeah. Uh, so our, our church camp's down, uh, down near Karakalinga, so, which is a fair way from the nearest hospital. And I remember hearing that you'd rushed off to uh, to go and give birth and then us uh, as a fellowship having, uh, having a significant amount of prayer for you. We did. Mm. They did. And Isaac was born 45 minutes later <laughs> <laughs> from the time we left camp. So, yeah. Wowza. Yeah. Um, I assume in the hospital. Not in the a, hospital. Not in a cab. Or yeah, no, and the, the reason car. he was born so quick was because um, he was breech. Yeah. And so he was, yeah, they needed to do an emergency caesarean. Mm-hmm. But other than that, um, w- was nice and healthy, which was great. Um, what an f- amazing answer to prayer. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So we were really happy, um, really excited um, to be parents. And Clay was excited to be a big brother and... Yeah, and so um, I guess we were in like a, it was a nice 
honeymoon period for about seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when Isaac was about seven weeks old, Pete called me over to the pram. I'm a nurse. And um, said he didn't think that Isaac looked like he was breathing properly. Yeah. And I went over to the crib and I had a look at him. And at that stage, he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And he was only breathing, taking about one breath every 20 to 30 seconds. Whoa. And um, I knew straight away that there was something wrong. Um, and so we rushed him um, off to the, the doctors. But the problem was at that stage was when he was awake, he was breathing really well. So by the time we took him to the doctors, he was awake and they're like, no, he's breathing fine. Um, but they did say um, get a sleep mat, which would go off if he stopped breathing. Um, and so we went out the same day. We bought this sleep mat and um, that night we had no sleep whatsoever because... It was just alarming the whole entire the, night. Oh, night. the mat was? The mat, wow. yeah. And so um, in the morning, we just took him straight to the hospital. And and then there began our journey with Isaac. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So what happened next? So um, I was able to, we took some video of Isaac of when he was sleeping to mm-hmm. show um, his breathing pattern and they admitted him straight away. And they did a whole heap of, of tests on Isaac and um, it showed that um, when he was breathing, um, so that, that night they did a um, sleep test on him um, and it showed that he, he stopped breathing more than 200 times in his sleep, which is class as not taking a breath for more than 20 seconds. Um, That's amazing when you think of actually how long. Yeah, if you try 20... and hold your breath for 20 seconds we to just... 30 seconds. It, yeah, it's a long time. Mm. Um, and uh, then that was um, a bit afraid about his oxygen levels in his blood because of the lack of oxygen that yeah. was getting through. And so they decided to do some brain scans and um, brain activity scans and his brain activity scans came back normal. Um, but his ventricles in his brain came back as abnormal. They're enlarged. Um, what does that mean? Um, it can mean a whole range of things, um, but it's it's you know just just that thing on its own is not a you can't have a definitive that this is what it is. But then that made them look at other things as well, um, and so um, they checked his bloods and um, the lactates in his blood were elevated, um, which meant that his muscles were doing something, um, and. Um, yeah, so uh, those three things they said. Um, so in the first instance, he was diagnosed with central sleep apnea. And so rather than obstructive sleep apnea, which a lot of adults get where they they have an obstruction which causes them to hold their breath, he um, his brain, his respiratory centre in his brain, when he would go to sleep, it would also go to sleep. Um, and so, um, yeah, so he... Um, he was put on oxygen, um, and so, and that was um, had huge oxygen bottles that we went home with him with. But the other thing that I they were, saying, I remember seeing those. Yeah. Poor little thing. Yeah. Is this a common thing for, for kids? No. Right. So, um, I don't know how. I never really looked up. I don't know how common central sleep apnea is. Um, it is obviously um, common in the fact that there's quite a lot of diagnosis every year. Yeah. Um, so there was other kids at the Women's and Children's that we saw in our time there. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, a lot of kids also um, may die of SIDS beforehand yeah. because they they have, you know, um, they stop breathing and sometimes they just don't wake up. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the other things that then they were looking at is they were concerned about um, the increased lactates in his blood, his abnormal brain scan and his breathing. And so every three months we would go off to the Women's and Children's Hospital um, because they were afraid that it could be signs for Lee's disease, L-E-I-G-H. Um, and that is a uh, disorder that children will um, progress up to a certain age and then they start to regress. So they st- their muscles start to waste away and, and things stop working and a lot of children die before they turn two. Whoa. And so that's something that we were had in the back of our minds every time we'd go to the hospital every three months to have all the tests. Um, but, um, yeah, Pete and I just really held on to the prayer that we had. So um, how, how old was Isaac at this stage when this was all happening? Seven weeks old. Seven weeks old. Yep. And so then every three months, so by the time, so he's still not a very old owl. Yep, no. Yep. And so, yeah, to have, have that um, diagnosis for a, for a seven-week-old, um, and all those things going on um, it was pretty crazy, yeah. Did it shake your faith at all, it given did. that you had prayer beforehand? Yeah. Lord, you know, let let the, the child, child live. live. Yeah. And then the child, you know, then he's born with you know what seems to be such a challenging, challenging thing. Did you at any? Did you question? There was a moment. Was there? So. Um, when we're in the hospital in the first part and they said to us, we think your child might have brain damage. Um, I broke down at that stage um, and Pete was on his way to the hospital. He'd gone home for the night and he came home in the morning and um, yeah, I broke down and I thought um, I can cope with a lot of things, but um, brain damage wasn't something that I could cope with. Um, And Pete and I just removed ourselves from the hospital um, we just went into the park and we had some prayer and we just had the comfort of the Lord come back over us and we just remembered that prayer mm. that the child will live. But I didn't think that the child, he, the Lord would let the child live but not live a full life either. Mm. So, yeah. So. Yeah. It, you, you don't think that he's going to half answer your prayer? No. He's going to fully answer the prayer? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And it's not an uncommon feeling to have, is it? I mean, when you leave, particularly when you're reading the Bible, and we've all had them, yeah. lots of examples. You know, you go way back into the Bible, even into Exodus, where yeah. uh, where the children of Israel are led out of Egypt in such an amazing fashion, but then they get presented with the Red Sea, and all of a sudden they call into question, yeah. you know, the promises that had already been made. Yeah, you know, what have I been? You know, have we been brought out here to die in you know, die in the wilderness? Yeah, so it's not an uncommon common feeling to have no Mm. no so tell me about the comfort yeah the comfort was amazing it felt like that we were um in this bubble and i know that sounds so cliche um but it was true because it was um so much so that we were not concerned that he would ever die that even at one stage i remember the doctors pulling us in and trying to really get us prepared at one stage to say you need to think of this as an option and I really think that they just thought that we didn't grasp the seriousness of the situation but 
for us, it was just, no, we're going to pray and the Lord's going to heal him. So, and, and it's not that you didn't understand the seriousness of absolutely. that. You're a nurse. You exactly. know this stuff. Exactly. And, you know, in, in the natural, when I see every time we went to the hospital, none of the medical stuff changed. Mm. So every time we went, his breathing was just as bad. His blood was just as bad. The brain scans came back the same. Mm. So in the medical sense, um, it's not even like he gradually got better he just maintained the same level the whole entire time. So from a medical sense, as a nurse, um, I could see what the doctors were saying and I could see the seriousness of the situation, but it just wasn't an option for us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what next? So so Isaac, by this stage, he got to um, be walking around and crawling around and a lot of the times um, he would end up with, you know, um, oxygen tubes all around him and underneath him. And um, and we'd been going to the hospital every three months by this stage. And um, we were really seeking for the ultimate blessing that he would be completely healed. Mm-hmm. And so the entire time, Isaac medically, um, as I said, was showing all these signs, but physically he was perfectly healthy on the outside. You wouldn't even know mm. that anything was wrong with him on the inside. But um, we had a prayer and fast um, and we got really serious and we said to the Lord, like, we'd really like the healing. Um, and so we had a prayer and fast about it. And then um, we went in for the usual um, gamut of tests. And that time round, um, every single test came back perfect. And when I say Whoa. perfect, it wasn't like he, you know, skipped a breath for 20 times instead of 200 times. It was he didn't miss one breath. Whoa. His blood was completely normal and his brain was perfect. And so, yeah. Um, wow. That's amazing. It was, yeah. And so how old was he at this stage? 18 months old. Wow. So you've gone through 18 months of this constant checkup every three months with no sign of improvement at all. No. And then after your prayer and fast, bam. Bam. Wow. Yeah. And even the consultant said it was nothing short of a miracle. He'd never seen a child just go from from that to that, you know, without, yeah. So, yeah. So then what happened? Did you have to go, was there a... Did they want you to come back for more tests or? So, yeah, they wanted to see him then every six months. Yep. We went back twice. Yep. And they said, we never want to see you again. Brilliant. Yeah. And in a couple of days' time, you celebrate his eighth birthday. He's, yep, he's nearly eight. How cool is that? Very cool. That is really cool. Yeah. And he's got a sister as well? He's got a sister. We should mention her. We Otherwise, she'll be very disappointed. We, she would be very disappointed. Um, so, And she's also a miracle as well. Um, I'll just say very quickly that after we had Isaac, we decided we'll have Jazzy. We had another couple of miscarriages again. And what they did this time is they did an autopsy on the fetus of um, the fetus just before I had Jasmine. And um, that fetus was a girl and she had only one X chromosome, as you know, girls have two x chromosomes um and they said um the chances of you ever having a girl is zero the chances of you ever having a healthy child is slightly improved because you had isaac and then 
we thought we'll give it one more go um and nine months later healthy jasmine came out mm. yeah and she's healthy all right she's definitely healthy absolutely she keeps us on our toes absolutely yeah that's cool yeah wow what an amazing story yeah it's pretty cool it's very cool do you sometimes forget just how amazing it is yeah like when you tell that story and you recount how you were feeling through that process and mm. you know and what the lord did for you it must be really amazing just to sit back and go I'm going to put everything to a prayer and fast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny because we were just recently going back and looking at the photos and the videos at that time and it brought it all back. Mm. And I just remember how, you know, there's a scripture that talks about when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Yep. And we were so amazingly strong during that time because mm. we had to be. Mm. Um, and I just think, you know, although we wouldn't want to go through it ever again, mm. we're stronger for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Thanks heaps for sharing. Welcome. That's a fantastic testimony. You're welcome. Good. All right. Well, we might uh, we might wrap it up there. Um, I might share a scripture. Yes, sure. Let's have a quick look. So I've got a scripture here in uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, and it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Mm. Amen. That one came by inspiration of your husband. He wanted me <laughs> to read that scripture out. I think it's fantastic. Well, thanks, uh, thanks listeners, for, uh, for uh, listening into our uh, podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, so that you don't miss any future episodes. Look for us on iTunes and Stitcher uh, and on Podbean as well, or you can visit www.revivalontheairtoday.com and there's some links on there to our website. There's also links to other episodes and you can subscribe from there. If you want to know more about the Revival Fellowship, you can go to the trf.org.au and uh, that's the wrap. So until next time... um, God bless.